You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, zillions of zany, zippy, zesty Z-Docs. Welcome to Good Job Bring, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 229, and I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your ridiculously rad ragamuffins riffing and ranting on the radio. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Happy birthday, Colin. Yay. Oh, thank you. Yay. Another pan pandemic birthday yeah that's right oh that's right they all just kind of blur together now <laughs> let's start today's episode with a very special purple patreon fact um and this is from a very special person chris and i have met this is from mr jonathan kane and he says hello fellow trivia files been a ride or die gjb fan and now a proud purple patreon supporter I tried to turn GJB into a late night talk show for the Game Show Network back in 2012. Still think it's a great idea. Anyway, I wanted to use my Patreonic podcast placement to plug a charity that is near to my heart, which is F-A-R-E Fair, Food Allergy Research and Education, which you can find at foodallergy.org. I remember that. It was like in LA, right? Or where were you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, who worked at, I think, Fremantle at the time. It was his kind of crazy dream to maybe turn Good Job Brain into like a TV venture. Um, But we hung out with him and we learned a lot about whiskey. He's a big whiskey person. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. So here I have a mini quiz written by Jonathan. Here's the question. I need you to write down your answers. The U.S. government, FDA officially recognizes nine allergens as the most common and dangerous. Mm. Can you name them? So nine of them. And uh, here's a hint. There's a, uh, he has a mnemonic. Oh, okay. Mama Paula trained waffle flipping elephants. Oh, geez. (laughs) And Susie sang softly. Okay. That helps. That does help. Save everybody a step. Here are the letters. M-P-T-W-F-E-S-S-S. Okay. Okay. Wow. Ooh, man. Am I allergic to any of these? I'm not allergic to any of these. My allergies are uh, very strange. I'm allergic to mangoes. So I know M is not mango. Thanks for the extra tip, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. M-P-T-W-F-E-S-S-S. All right. Okay. Answers up. Whatever you have. Okay. Well, okay. So maybe let's go letter by letter. Okay, yeah. let's go letter. M is for milk. Milk. Ah, it is milk. Oh, okay. 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 All right. Okay. Yep, makes sense. And that makes sense. I was like, where's the D for dairy? But yeah, okay. All right. Milk. All right. Okay. P- P- peanuts. Peanuts. Gotta be peanuts. 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 Gotta be peanuts. Yeah. Correct. All right. T. Tea. Is it is it tree nuts? It is tree nuts. Oh. I see that on labels all the time. I always see like yeah, you know, yeah, maybe manufactured in a facility yep. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. W wheat 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 correct okay. Okay. wheat F fish. I put fish. It is fish. It is fish. All right. Okay. Okay. E eggs eggs, eggs. yes. Okay. Uh, so three S's. What are your? Guesses? I have I have shellfish. Shellfish. For correct. Okay. Um, oh. And then it gets really uh, kind of uh, loosey goosey on my list from there. <laughs> oh, I got soy. Soy, yes. Ooh, good. Okay. Strawberries. Uh, sesame. I have sesame. sesame. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I was just guessing. Wow. Oh, man. That's the only thing I've ever had an allergic reaction to was like, is I what? Like, I ate a strawberries. I ate a bunch of strawberries when I was a kid once and got like a little mild allergic reaction to it. Like, mm. what like, happened? But like, I can eat them. Like, now. did like, you poop fine. or is it like your No, no, no. Like, a, like, like the itchy skin. And one uh, last question. Finally, what is the most common food allergy in children? Huh. Pick one out of the list. What, what do you think? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say dairy milk. Yeah, I, I would I would I would second that. Correct. Milk. Mm-hmm. It just overtook in the rankings. <laughs> so, so just overtook peanuts. Peanuts was number one for a long time. Just milk overtook just it. overtook peanuts. Interesting. Mm. Thank you, Jonathan, for being a fan. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. He tried to get Danica McKellar attached to that TV show. Yes. He really did his best. All right. 
Without further ado, let's jump into our general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Here I have our trusty Genus Edition Trivial Pursuit card. You guys have your barnyard buzzers. Let's answer some questions. Blue Edge for Geography. What was the traditional name of Iran prior to 1935? Chris. Persia. Persia is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Pink Wedge for Pop Culture. Which which insect lends its likeness to the name and logo of Lorelai Gilmore's Inn? Oh man, this is a Gilmore Girls reference. Oh my gosh, I did not watch this show. (laughs) I'm guessing is it like a firefly or something? Oh, you're close. I thought it was a bee. Um, It is dragonfly. Mm. Dragonfly. Sure. You sure this is genus edition and not a Gilmore edition? <laughs> there's yeah, there's actually eight questions per card because they talk so fast, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellow Edge. What was Barack Obama's nickname as a child? Uh, Colin. Do they just mean Barry? I mean, is yeah. that what they're looking oh, for? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Call him that as an adult. Right. Yeah. Right. I've heard people yeah. call him that as an adult too. It was like right, Little right, Stinker right. or something. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I yeah, know Barry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I all right. Was like, yeah. yeah. Turbo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Turbo would be <laughs> Purple Wedge, uh, Stephen King, Stephen King, our favorite, Stephen King's science fiction novel. How do I say this? It's November 22nd, 63, or 11 22 63, chronicles the attempt to save which historical figure from his untimely death. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was uh, Dana. JFK? JFK, John F. Kennedy. Green Wedge for science. What is the fabled term for the zone around a star where a habitable planet could be found not too far or not too close? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, not too far or not yeah. too close. Oh, yeah. Sure. Chris. The, the, the life halo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dana. Is it Goldilocks? It is there Goldilocks. There we go. Yeah. There we wow. go. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, last question on this card. Orange Wedge. Oh, American Pharaoh was the winner of which thoroughbred racing trifecta in 2015? Oh. As if there's another racing. Is there another yeah, racing exactly. trifecta? exactly. Right. Chris. The Triple Crown. Yes, the Triple Crown. <laughs> Can you name the three races that you have to win to get the Triple Crown? The, yes, the Kentucky yeah. Derby, the Belmont Stakes, mm-hmm. and the Preakness. Yeah, because like at our local quiz, I remember they were really big on which is the shortest, which one comes yeah, first, yeah, yeah. which yep. is so like yep, we yep. at one point, certainly not now, but at one point, I remember we knew yeah we the lengths it. and the order. Yeah, yep. yeah, because yeah. they never ask what are the three; they always ask of the three, which one mm-hmm. yeah has the most horses. Good job, Brains. <laughs> All right, has the most has the most horses horses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people throw the word horses around a lot these days so. <laughs> webster dictionary yeah, defines right. horse yeah. uh, quadruped mammal <laughs> but to me they are magnificent uh, beasts yeah um, ultimately a horse is a study in contrasts <laughs> <laughs> So very exciting news. <laughs> Dana uh-huh. and I got tickets to BTS. <laughs> Did you? I'm so excited. Did you? <laughs> That's a hard ticket to get, right? Yeah. <laughs> I followed all the instructions and got into all the lotteries. And, well done. And it was, no, it was hard. Lots of levels of lottery to get it. And Karen did it. And then I, I remember I texted Dana and she responded like, I'm dying. <laughs> 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 she's, she's, she's so happy. So excited. Um, and so we're about to, I haven't been to a concert in a long time. Um, with, with that in mind, uh, this week we're going to talk about things that are loud, uh, things that are sound related. And so this week, let's get loud. Yes, so loud music is top of mind for me right now. I think about it a lot right now since we got tickets to this concert. I'm very excited. Every day. <laughs> I think about it every Down day. Down. So I decided to do a quiz about loud music. 
This will be a buzz in quiz. All right. Okay. I like music. Yeah. Yeah. Name all seven members of BTS. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> That's for Karen only. <laughs> no. okay. Name the cutest member of BTS. Oh, David, oh. Is this just a BTS quiz? Is, uh, wait, I, yeah. <laughs> I told my husband I was going to make a music quiz and he's like, oh, is it about BTS? And I was like, <laughs> no, this is, I have to like make quizzes that everyone <laughs> Either, look, either either you know zero of the answers to a BTS or you know quiz all. or you know yeah, yeah. all of the yeah, answers yeah, yeah, to a yeah, BTS yeah, quiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. So this one, I tried to I tried to make it fair, fair to everybody. All right, here we go. In 1976, which English rock group entered the Guinness Book of World Records for performing the loudest concert in history uh, at the time? Wow, you okay. guys all know. Well, I mean, I, I think they, they, they incorporated this into their kind of their legend. I I think I'm pretty sure that was the Who. It was the Who. Okay. They they got the record in 1976 and it stood until 1984. Their sound was registered at 126 decibels, 100 feet from the speakers. Mm. So that's louder than thunder. Thunder is usually 120, and so they were 126. <laughs> Doesn't sound very enjoyable. No, but it was an outdoor theater, and so people have broken that record indoor theaters and plaster falls off the walls that's how loud oh, it is right. yeah. <laughs> or or they do it outdoors and it's louder than that and like in new zealand the foo fighters did it and it was registering as earthquakes or volcanic activity it was moving the earth <laughs> that loud is very bad for your hearing peter townsend and roger daltrey from the who both have a lot of hearing problems and they're yeah. oh my god yeah. of course yeah yeah the guinness book of world records doesn't make that a record anymore they don't yeah. want people to try to beat it because it's yeah it's like the fattest cat yeah, yeah. They, don't wanna, yeah. they don't want yeah. people overfeeding their exactly yeah it's a fat cat kind of record <laughs> like okay yeah i guess you win okay. but you've <laughs> yeah, we don't want to encourage you to <laughs> yeah. right yeah okay Jennifer Lopez's song, Let's Get Loud, was originally written by another Latina singer-songwriter who's responsible for a number of popular party anthems. Um, oh. Karen. I want to say Shakira, but I'm going to say Gloria Estefan. It's Gloria Estefan. Yes. yes. She said it was too similar to her other, to some of her other songs. And oh, I, I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, she had like conga, get on your feet. Yeah. The rhythm's yeah. going to mm, get you. Turn the beat yeah. around. Like she has a mm. lot of like party jams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one is just kind of also another party jam. But it worked out real well for Jennifer Lopez. She yeah. got a, she got a great party jam out of it. So it's great to be at that point in your career where you can kind of just be like, no, you know what? I, I've had enough it. hits. You can take this hit. It's <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. You have this one. Yeah. All right. The Black Eyed Peas song Pump It is about playing music loudly, you know, pump it louder, that song? Yes. That was embarrassing. Okay. It features a <laughs> sample from Dick Dale's 1962 surf version of Miserloo. Mm. And the surf version is also heavily featured in, in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Heavily <laughs> featured. What movie yes. is that? Oh. Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah. I think it's Miserloo. I, I watched a YouTube video about how to pronounce... Miserlou, oh, Miserlou. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And somebody yeah. said Miserlou, but huh. they said it quickly. And I was like, that's, <laughs> I was like, that's good enough. And I didn't do any further research, but I'm told it's also pronounced Miserlou. <laughs> and I believe it. I don't know how to pronounce it. But it's uh, a, what does it mean? It's an Eastern Mediterranean folk song. Oh. So, and then, so Dick mm. Dale did a surf version of it that mm. was real hot. Okay, last question. In 2005, Mythbusters did a show with Jamie Bandera, a singer and vocal coach. For the first time, someone was able to capture video footage of a human doing what feat with their voice? Oh, oh. I'm guessing. I heard a horse. I remember this one. Colin. I, I saw this one. I think it's where they, 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 he was a singer and they got him to actually shatter the, the glass, right? They had oh, him in the yes. studio and, and he did it not, I mean, he did it more than once. If I remember the episode, like it was reproducible. It, yeah. It took him 12 tries and you have to sing really loud. You have to hit the exact right frequency. frequency yeah. The glass has to have the right kind of imperfections in it that you're able to match. Oh. So you have to be very good, very lucky, very loud. But you can <laughs> do it. I mean, it took till 2005 to get it on camera for the first time. Oh, it's wow. very That's really amazing. That's really, yeah. I wonder who was the first person to do that and make it a thing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, what, are, what were the conditions that that happened? Yeah. Was it just a person singing in a in a kitchen and then like 
think started breaking or or like an opera singer and people yeah that's what my guess would be yeah Uh, Yeah. it would have to be because you do have to sing very loudly and it takes a lot of training to get to that point this is a little bit off topic but the most memorable mythbusters episode for me was they're trying to bust the myth of a of a torture method where people would tie a living person onto an empty bamboo field and wait for the bamboo to grow through the person. I remember that one. That was gruesome. And they made, they had to make like a fake. Ballistics gel torso, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and it's amazing. You just see these bamboos like popping up. It it makes me shiver just thinking about it again. Yeah. Every time I see bamboo, that's all I think of. I was like, oh my God, that can grow through a, a person who's alive. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> on that happy serious. note, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, Dana, I'm glad you mentioned some of those like decibel level marks to peg it at. I, you know, but when I was doing some research for the show, even though I already knew what I wanted to talk about, I was like, you know, I want to go find some good kind of just decibel chart comparison things. As I think most of our listeners know, the unit of measuring basically how loud is a sound, the amount of sound energy is the decibel. So I went and found a chart. Uh, there are a lot of charts out there that have some common noise sources and how how they would measure on a decibel level. So yeah, give uh, us some examples. Yeah, breathing. Breathing would be like ten decibels. Sorry, right, so ten decibels is just barely audible. Okay? okay, and because the the way the decibel scale works is every ten additional decibels is basically twice the previous level. Okay. So it, it scales up really fast. Bird calls, uh, bird calls can be 40, 45 decibels. Okay. 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 Um, conversation in a restaurant, uh, maybe 60 decibels, garbage disposal or, uh, you know, factory noise or, uh, you know, a plane flying overhead, uh, maybe 80 decibels. Okay. Uh, okay. The human kind of the pain threshold, uh, they say, is around 110 decibels, as Dana was alluding to. So, yeah, a thunder would be around 120 decibels. Uh, a jet, if you were standing right next to a jet taking off, that would be around 150 decibels. And that's also around the level that I noticed that almost all of the charts that I found stop. <laughs> and <laughs> they stop right around 150 decibels because that is also uh, right around the level where it will rupture your eardrums. Oh. And the concept of noise past that really is, it kind of loses meaning wow. in, terms of in, a, in a human yeah. scale, right? I remember as a kid in one of my many trivia books, uh, one of these trivia little lines I saw said, the loudest event in human history was the explosion of the volcano Krakatoa in 1883. You know, and that's it. And they kind of just laid it to one line factoid. And I filed that away. The loudest event in human history. Now, what is Krakatoa? Where is Krakatoa? Is uh, in Indonesia. It is okay. in the, the Sunda Strait. Is it still there? So the the spot is still there, okay? So for many, 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 many thousands of years, uh, developing there was a volcanic island uh, that went by many names over the years, many various spellings, but we've all sort of settled on Krakatoa. As long as people had lived in the region, uh, this island, you know, is a little cluster of islands like most of Indonesia. Uh, it was active on and off, you know, above, you know, major kind of tectonic Scares plate me, activity. Mm-hmm. It is frightening. Boy, you know, Karen, I, I, I will. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The more I read about the explosion of Krakatoa, the, the just, there's just some really scary stuff that could not be captured in one line in my little trivia book. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an active volcano on and off for thousands of years. Um, and people lived on Java, Sumatra for thousands and thousands of years. Um, there was at least one pretty well-documented eruption in 1680, but there's no doubt it's been active on and off. Um, Java and Sumatra and the islands around there are very busy, have been a center of the global spice trade for hundreds of years. And in fact, that's what first uh, led to the Dutch 
government and Dutch uh, corporations setting up shop out there. There were a lot of people there. It was very, very active, busy port. It wasn't like it was uh, a secret that it was a volcano. And uh, but people were not, you know, intimidated or frightened yeah. about living there, even though that's crazy, even though every couple hundred years, at least, you know, it could erupt. And Colin, I have to say, we live in a place that has horrible earthquakes yep exactly we're like not even thinking about exactly away from exactly yeah. that's right you know it's like kind of wherever you live in the world you got to choose your yeah. natural disaster yeah i mean like for me personally i don't know i can t i can deal with earthquakes but like tornadoes freak me out and i i think there are probably oh, the, people who live yeah. the other way and yeah so uh, as I say, so Krakatoa, the the, vol the volcano, the island volcano, uh, as for its most notable eruption, this this loudest event in human history, uh, the tantalizing. Let's just set the scene here. So below Krakatoa, there are two tectonic plates. They have been slowly but surely sliding into each other at a rate of about four inches a year for- Oh, that's a lot! That's a lot. And it builds up a lot of pressure. And that's why the volcano and the volcanoes in the region have a continuous supply, you know, ultimately of energy to kind of keep going. And, and you know, it's really interesting, like even before- really reliable human records they can they can go back and look at the as i say the geologic record around the world to see where major eruptions have happened because you know it deposits ash hundreds of miles away and you can find these you know thin layer of ash in the rock formations and you can see oh okay it happened roughly this time Reduced growth on tree rings also is a really good uh, indicator of intense, intense, like global level volcanic activity, because you get so much ash and smoke and dust up into the atmosphere that it creates wintry, you know, yeah. night mm -hmm. effects. It's it, trees don't grow as fast. And so they can go back and look. And if there's a tree from the area, they can see, oh, the rings are this close together. As a kid, when I read this fact of, oh, the explosion of Krakatoa, it's like, you know, it's just as if it's just out of the blue. It just one day, it just, you know, blows its top. And of course, that's not really how most volcanoes erupt. Like it actually unfolds over days, weeks, months. You can see smoke coming. You, If you're in a high earthquake region, you can have increased earthquake activity. And that's that was what happened in the case of the 1883 uh, huge explosion with Krakatoa, that as far back as May of that year, they had noticed ash and smoke kind of rising up from this cone on Krakatoa. I mean, and it started freaking some people out, um, but kind of business kept going. I mean, they were still running the ships in and out of the port. I mean, they had money to make. I mean, it's not, and there were whole villages and thousands and thousands of people living there. It's not like they were just going to get, you know, up and move. They would run basically sightseeing trips out <gasps> to kind of witness, you know, get a little closer and see the smoke and, and punctuated every, you know, so often every couple of weeks, there would be sort of a semi-major event that would kind of really grab people's attention, whether it's an earthquake or a particularly loud eruption. All right. So the day before this this ultimate cataclysmic event. So the day before this is Sunday, August twenty sixth, eighteen eighty three. Uh, there was to that point the kind of biggest pre eruption or pre explosion from Krakatoa, it, raining down chunks of hot pumice. I mean, oh. and I should mention at this point that uh, leading up to the weeks to this, there was rock and stuff coming out. Uh, by some accounts, <laughs> by some accounts, it was a sea of stone kind of coming through the strait there by Krakatoa. You could drop, you could drop a bucket off the side of your ship pull it up and it might have more pumice than water i read in one account wow. i think everyone in their mind that they weren't totally ignorant of what a volcano could do but they really thought this was going to pass and it's dark as night i mean it's the middle of the afternoon but there's so much ash so much smoke in the air as if it was nighttime at 4 p.m. Weird. In the, just the middle. Yeah, yeah. These rumblings in the distance, people 20 miles away, 30 miles away reporting it sounds like artillery fire or, you know, distant gunfire. And there's yeah. there's lightning going on because the air is charged and there's, I mean, it just, it really just must have been absolutely horrifying. At 10.02 a.m. on that Monday morning, August 27th, 1883, after weeks of building tension, there was... I mean, my words are just going to fail here. There was a massive explosion, but it was the most massive explosion that had ever exploded that to this day, we do oh. not have a record of a bigger, than that. more violent, more intense explosion. As I say, it's off the charts in terms of human hearing. When Krakatoa erupted, 
there are reports that sailors on ships 40 miles away suffered ruptured eardrums. Okay. Oh my God. Do your ears bleed? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you were standing next to it, when it would kill you. I mean, it just, it would just, it would just, you would not survive it. Just the sound alone at a distance of 100 miles away, they recorded pressure changes that equate to 172 decibels. Okay. So now remember Ooh. I said, standing next to a jet airplane, 150 decibels. Okay. This is 100 miles away, more than 20 times that powerful. Okay. Just, just unimaginably, unimaginably loud. I've read estimates that, you know, just working backward uh, estimates uh, that it could have been as high as 310 decibels. Oh my, if you were I, I mean, standing. I, I mean, it's just, it's meaningless. It, it's really, it's just, it's just meaningless. We can't comprehend what that loud of a sound would be. And I, I want to emphasize here, this really is the loudest, I mean, more than warfare, more than industrial accidents, atomic mm-hmm. bombs. Like this is truly the loudest event in human recorded history. It is estimated as much as 13% of the globe could hear this sound. Uh, there no, was, if you wow, imagine, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Oh there are reliable confirmed multiple reports of it being audible almost 3,000 miles away. Imagine an explosion in New York that you could hear here, Karen. Like that's, that's, there were, of course, many thousands of people who died. Um, Yeah, Mm. most, you know, most from the tsunami effect of the volcano. Um, Catastrophic, absolutely catastrophic. The pressure wave from this sound, this massive, unfathomable explosion, the pressure wave, all right, traveled the earth, hit its antipode, bounced back, and came back, hit mm-hmm. itself again, bounced back to the antipode, hit itself again, came back again. There are spots on the uh, globe where they had barometric equipment that recorded seven spikes from this explosion. Wow. Yeah, just on its way out and back, just ricocheting, you know, around our planet. This is none of this really can fit into the little one line factoid of loudest event in human history, which is kind of cheery. And it's like, oh, you don't really think about how many, many thousands of, uh, you know, lives were destroyed here. I came away from this just in awe, frankly, of the power of the volcano and and no other volcano that has erupted in modern times even comes close. It it doesn't even come close. Forget surpass, forget even approaching. I mean, Mount St. Helens, you know, Mount Pinatubo, any of these, nothing even comes close. Yeah, it's just it is truly a a one of a kind event in 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 history. That's done, right? Krakatoa after well, it isn't done, Karen. No, it's not done. The all the energy down below those tectonic plates—they're still moving. They're still moving oh. four inches a year, four inches a year, four inches a year. So, so as you know, uh, volcanic activity can produce islands. Uh, we have, you know, Hawaii, many other examples of this. So, it's just a matter of when does it break the surface, right? So, uh, after the 1883 explosion you know, kept on growing, kept on growing. By 1927, out of the caldera, so, you know, the remnant of the volcano, out of there had grown uh, a new island, volcanic island, uh, named Anak Krakatoa, or Child of Krakatoa. Um, (laughs) That grew to over a thousand feet tall. Itself started having uh, volcanic activity. Uh, In fact, fairly frequent. Uh, There was a minor eruption in 2020. Just last month, in February 3rd, Anak Krakatoa started another uh, eruption cycle, and it is putting out smoke, ash, gases. I mean, they're keeping an eye on it. They're, they're much better prepared in terms of monitoring and the ability to get people out early. But yeah. there are still many thousands of people who live right there. I did not realize this. I have to admit I was ignorant until doing my research that the Krakatoa caldera, the Anak Krakatoa, is what was responsible for the Indonesian tsunami in 2018. If you guys remember December 2018, the, the horrific tsunami there. Yeah. That was... Oh, it's because of the activity It was there. because of the uh, Anak Krakatoa was, the way it was being formed was kind of lopsided in a way. And they had been keeping an eye on it for a few years, in fact, worried that a huge chunk of it might slide off into the ocean and trigger a tsunami. Uh, And in fact, that's exactly what happened is that a huge portion of it slid 
triggered a tsunami. And, you know, even with the advanced warning that we have, it's it's not a lot of warning. Again, tsunamis just really cause a lot more damage than the volcano itself. But no, Karen, Anak, Krakatoa, Krakatoa, <laughs> it, it, it is not done. Uh, I don't think it'll be done in our lifetimes. Uh, we're just going to have to learn to live with it. Yeah. All right. On that cheery note, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. Hi, I'm not LeVar Burton. You're listening to Good Job Brain, but you don't have to take my word for it. We're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain, and this week we're talking about things that are loud. That's right. And uh, actually, you know, Colin, that that segment actually reminded me of um, there was there's an essay in one of the Penn and Teller books by by Penn Gillette when he talks about uh, NASA's uh, successful quantifying of comedy timing, which is, uh, he got <laughs> he he was he was um, invited to watch a space shuttle launch um, from as close as you're able to get, which is like three miles ish away, and uh-huh. um, He's like, you see this, you're, you're, you're so far away from it that you see the space shuttle taking off and it's a big, you know, burst of fire and you can't help it, but you start to think like, huh, that's funny. You'd think there would be some noise. And the second that your brain gets to the word noise, <laughs> uh, that is when you are hit with uh, the loudest thing you have ever heard in your life. You know, sound <laughs> waves that that knock people over, sound waves that knock things off the table, you know. That, and that's why you can only get, ex, you know, so close <laughs> to a space shuttle. Launch, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I think of loud, I think of turning things up to 11. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, in the yes, in the film, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Uh, there is a scene in which uh, there's a character who uh, shows off a guitar amplifier whose volume knobs do not stop at the traditional ten, but can be <laughs> dialed up to eleven, which is one louder. So I have a quiz all about uh, the the number eleven, the loudest number, <laughs> one louder than ten. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a write down quiz. So get your pen and your and your and your paper ready to go. Mm-hmm. I like that 11 is the loudest number. Yes. It's the loudest number. It's Also, I I appreciate Chris. I we know you're sick and you're still you're still here with I'm, us. Yes. Well, I'm yes. you know what? I'm I'm getting over something and uh my voice is just totally shredded, but uh but I'm okay. You're um, yes. So your first <laughs> yeah. question, I'm going to keep score for you guys in the the yeah. loudest quiz of all time because everything has something to do with 11. Question number 1. In Spinal Tap, which character delivers the line? it about it going up to 11 and how it's and how that's one louder who is the what's the name of the character that delivers that line name of character or act name of the character a... name of the oh, character man. yeah this is like whatever whatever bts is for me spinal tap is the inverse <laughs> yeah. right 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 well, there's only four people in <laughs> spinal tap yeah and one of them always changes okay, okay. all right answers up oh. um karen 
Karen says, Karen says oh. Nigel. Dana has written very small. I don't know. I put to... Nigel St. James. Nigel St. James. <laughs> Colin put Nigel Tufnell. Now, yeah. it, Colin is, Colin is correct. Right. It is Nigel Tufnell. I did. <laughs> this is, this is tough. This is a tough one because it's like, Karen, I want to give you the point too. But then Dana, you put additional incorrect information. <laughs> <laughs> So do we so, want to go on asterisk? I'm, uh, yes. Okay. Sure. Just, I'll give you. All right. I'll give. I'll give each of you an extra. I'll give you. You both. You each get an asterisk. Colin gets. Colin gets the point. I'm curious, Colin. Can you can you name the other members or the other character names? In uh, well, I mean the the three sort of the three permanent members, Maybe. if you will. Yeah. yeah. Sure. There's there's Nigel Tufnell. There's uh-huh. David Saint Hubbins, which is yes. maybe where oh. where Dana got the saint oh. from. Yeah. David Saint. <laughs> That's such a yeah. good name. Yeah. 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 The uh, the patron saint of quality footwear of course um and there was uh derek smalls uh right. harry shearer oh, okay yes harry shearer okay yep. nigel yes. topnell's christopher, Chris- christopher, christopher guest. Guest. yep yep michael mccain, and then michael mccain. is david st hubbins exactly yes. yep. all right yep okay get ready to get some put some points on the board the record for the most oscars ever won by a single film is 11 this record is shared by three films for one point <sighs> each name them Mm. i'll reread as you're writing the record for the most oscars that the academy awards ever won by a single film is 11 this record is shared by three films for one point each name them (laughs) you you may remember the most recent maybe more than the others when it you know sort of famously like tied the the other two but i don't know we'll see all right i'm gonna ask you to we gotta we don't have all day you know what i mean Mm. All right. All right. Let's get some answers in five, mm. four, three, oh, two, oh, one. Karen says Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Dana. I said Shawshank Redemption, Philadelphia, Chicago. Okay. And Colin says Titanic, The Godfather. And uh, I just, I'm grasping at straws. I didn't scrolls. get a third. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Karen and Colin each get one point. Karen is correct that Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, um, yeah. won 11 Oscars. Colin is correct that Titanic has won 11 Oscars. Oh. And no one got the third one, which I kind of sort of expected because it is Ben-Hur. Ah. Okay. Oh. Ben-Hur also had 11 Oscars. Yes. All right. Question number three. The formal end to the hostilities of World War One took place famously at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of what year? Now, closest to the year is going to get the point. What? Uh, World War World One. War World War One. The formal end to the hostilities of World War oh, One took place at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of which year? person who writes down the year that is closest to the year will get the point man i'm so embarrassed formal end yeah. too like the i like formal i'm like end to the yeah, hostility like, yeah. yeah okay yep. mm. right. i don't know sometimes okay okay i'm gonna okay, give you guys five four three two one answers up dana uh, has written 1917 oh. colin has written 1919 karen has written 1929 dana and colin both get a point because the answer was 1918 yeah no. yeah i was like i was like do we add some time because like you know like for all the diplomacy sure. i was like oh, yeah, okay all right all right um the grim grotto the grim grotto is the 11th entry in which series of books Oh. The Grim Grotto is the 11th entry in which series of books? Oh. Um what series of books is that long? That is a very good question, Karen. Mm-hmm. The Grim The Grim Grotto. Grotto is the 11th entry in which series of books? All right. Got it. All right. Man. Okay. All right. Answers All right. up. Karen says Nancy oh. Drew, Colin says Goosebumps and Dana Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate <laughs> events. Oh, Dana I like your answer, point. Karen. That's right. Without without Chris even saying it. My first thought was Nancy yep, Drew, yep. so I sure. don't know. All right, let's keep it to another book series. Are you ready, folks? What is the name of the eleventh book in Sue Grafton's Alphabet Mystery series? Oh man. What is the name of the eleventh book in Sue Grafton's Alphabet Mystery series? 
don't you know if you if you if you talk too much thinking it out you might give uh the your the other contestants here a a clue mm-hmm. so okay try to try to work it out in your brain if you can karen i believe has an answer dana uh-huh. has something written down colin is working on it the name of the 11th book in sue grafton's alphabet mystery series uh, answers i'm, just, I'm not gonna answers okay. answers up answers up uh-huh. uh, oh my goodness all right karen says k is for killer dana says i had k is for killer and then i was like is it kill or killer and then i i went with kill and now i'm like <laughs> i think kill. it was killer yeah. And Colin has written K is for killing. The answer is K is for killer. Uh, I scratched the point. I scratched yeah. the er off. I was like, back and <laughs> forth. I was like, oh, what is it? I was like, it's not just yep. kill. That's too easy, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's K is for killer. I mean, yep. they're yeah. all easy. That's why we could guess. That's what yeah. I was like. Uh, yeah. 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 Now, if you can't imagine how the, yes, uh, Sue Grafton's Alpha Mystery Series started with A is for alibi and went on that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. The maple leaf on the Canadian flag has 11 points on it. The Canadian $1 coin has 11 blanks. Oh. The maple leaf on the Canadian flag has 11 points on it. And the Canadian $1 coin has 11 of these. (laughs) (laughs) So answers up. Karen says stars. Dana says stars. And Colin says loons. Um, I almost was going to put loon footprint. <laughs> the Canadian, the Canadian uh, dollar uh, does in fact have a single uh, loon yeah. on it. That's that's okay. why it's referred to as a loony. But the Canadian one dollar coin has eleven sides. What? It has eleven. Oh. No, oh. that's yes. so weird. Yep, it is. It is not. It is it, like one less than a dodecagon. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. What do you even call a, a oh, eleven-sided gosh. thing? That's a really Let's great question. An undecked. <laughs> so you know what? It's so you can <laughs> you can you can call it an undecagon, but actually they call it a hendecagon. A, a hendecagon. A hendecagon. Undecagon is also acceptable though, but they like they like hendecagon. Hendecagon from from the Greek for eleven, I believe. The yes, the, so the the loony is a hendecagon. Um, it's the title of my uh, murder novel. Yeah. Um, okay. Eleven is a prime number. Mm-hmm. How many prime numbers come before it? Oh man, do we count? Okay. Eleven is a prime number. How many prime numbers come before it? I feel like it's a trick. All right. Oh, Karen. Karen says three. Dana says five, and Colin says four. Colin oh. is correct. Two, two, yeah, two, three, five, and seven are the prime numbers oh. that are lower than eleven. Oh, and one, so, one doesn't so count as a prime. One is not a prime number. The definition of a prime number is that it has two factors: itself, oh, one itself. and one. I can't All right, so I think I've been keeping proper track of everybody's scores, but we'll. Okay. Okay. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me <gasps> what. <laughs> I just want the one from the line from the song from Eleven because technically the 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 on the eleventh day of Christmas my true love gave me the Elevens and then right, also plus the, the yeah right 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 so right. you get a right yeah so by the end of it you have twelve partridges and twelve pear trees you don't need to yeah on the twelfth on the eleventh day of Christmas my oh, true love gave me eleven yeah. one. <laughs> I feel like with this song, I always, I, you know, I know like the first, you know, six, seven, and then I know maybe the last one, but yeah. Uh, eight, yeah. Cold. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's then, why. Yeah. That's, that's eight, why. Nine, I 10, yeah. 11, man, that is just yep. a minefield there. Was, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> made it my goal last year to learn yeah. all 12. All right. Um, all right. So I'm pretty confident. Okay. All right. Well, all right. I'll let Karen put hers up first. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oh. Karen's visible. 11 pipers piping. Dana says uh, Lords a leaping and Colin says nothing. Karen is correct. No, no, no. I put, I put Piper's I'm sorry. It's yes. You put maids a milking. So no points for this next question because this next question is, I swear, the Stephen King novel 112263 is about a character <laughs> who goes back in time to prevent what event? 
<laughs> uh, don't write anything down. It's the assassination of JFK. Now, is that the first time that that's ever happened to somebody that the, on this show that the Trivial Pursuit card literally was a question they were going to wow. ask in a no. quiz? It's happened the to odds of that are crazy. It happened to Dana... I think last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, man. Oh, good job, Brandon. Um, it was it was about like the cricket match between oh. the two, like, two, like the most watched mm, cricket match, right. and then it was our show. I think, but um, about television, and Dana had a quiz about most watched events on TV, yeah. and so it was like it was structured differently, right, but right, it was like right. up, talking about the same it's thing. The same thing. Interesting. According to the movie Swingers, when playing blackjack. You always do what on 11? You always blank okay. on 11. All right. How are we doing? Okay. Dana oh, says... Just hit. Dana says hit. Karen says double down. Colin says double down. You always double down on okay. 11. I've never watched that movie before. It's great. It? John Favreau, very, very young. Yeah. Uh, great movie. It was uh, yeah. Vince Vaughn, very young. It does hold up. It does hold okay. up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So just just two more questions. Not on 11? No. Oh, but I guess we skipped one. So <laughs> okay. Oh, I didn't have them numbered. Okay. What is the title of a 2007 documentary by Leonardo DiCaprio, a 1988 children's book by Graham Bass, an entry in the Women's Murder Club book series by James Patterson, and a 1995 video game by Version Interactive Entertainment? What is the title of a 2007 documentary by Leonardo DiCaprio, a 1988 children's book by Graham Bass, an entry in the Women's Murder Club's book series by James Patterson, and a 1995 video game by Virgin Interactive Entertainment? I didn't know about the documentary. (laughs) But I am for sure. You got four ways in here. Hmm. None of them are ringing a bell. I'm just going to be taking a guess here. Interesting. The title of a... It's an entry in the Women's Murder Club book series by James Patterson, a 1995 video game by Virgin Interactive Entertainment, a 1988 children's book by Graham Bass, and a 2007 documentary by Leonardo DiCaprio. They all share the same title. Mm. I'm gonna give you. I know Karen knows it, so all let's right. see. Colin says 11th oh! hour. Dana says the 11th hour, and Karen <laughs> says the 11th Darn hour. It! Wow! Across the board, yes, Woo! they're all called. Wow, yeah, you there's a there's a lot guys. more stuff called the eleventh hour too. <laughs> that just colloquially means like close to the end, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. time is ticking. Right, yeah. right, right. It's it's one, it's, it's, it's one hour to midnight. Yeah, like the last minute. Um. Okay, I'm gonna read off the points before we go to the last question. Mm-hmm. Um. No. Okay. I have Colin with six. I have Dana with three, and Karen with five. All right, folks. Mm-hmm. It is anybody's game right now because this is the question. In the 2001 film Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. A group of 11 criminals team up for a major heist. Yes. In one minute, name as many of the actors playing the titular 11 as you can in one minute. Go! Go! Okay. Do you need full names? Uh, yeah. Okay. I need a new paper. Shoot. Okay. Now, you have a whole minute. Mm-hmm. I'll give you your 30-second warning, you know, when we get there. Okay. In, in this minute, you're trying to name as many of the actors who play members of the titular Eleven in the film yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Not not the old 1950s one. I'm not doing that to you. I mean, the, <laughs> the more recent um, one. Man, all right. Uh, 30 seconds remain. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, by, by, once we get to the end of this, you'll have sort of exhausted the, the ones that come easily to you. One. Yeah. This is one point I'm, each of ten stuck. seconds left. Oh, mm. um, five, man, four, three, just... two, one. I just um, all right. I know their character names. I just don't know their. Okay. Oh, you timed it. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Answers up. Let's see what we got. Let me get back to my document so I <laughs> actually can check these. All hey, right. Colin. Those aren't their full names. Those are initials and last names. You read it to me. I have ten. I have ten names written. Okay. All right. What do you got? Brad Pitt. Yes. Yes. As Rusty. Got it. Yep. George Clooney as Danny. Yes. yes. Got it. I got twins Scott Kahn and yes. Casey Affleck. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yep. That might Scott be the Kahn. difference right there. That might be the difference right there. Bernie Mac. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Don Cheadle. Yeah. As yes. Got... Yeah. Elliot Gould. Yes. yes. Scott Elliot. Yep. Gould. Got Elliot Carl Gould. Reiner. 
Yes. Yeah. Matt Damon. Yes. Yep. yes. Matt Damon. And uh, Ching Xiao Bao. Oh my God. Really good. I Karen. mean, I, I, wow. Hacker guy. I did not. And uh, how could I forget Bernie Mac? He's so early in the Bernie movie. Ah. <sighs> okay. And Dana. I got. How many? Six. Did you I get? got six. What was the last one that Karen didn't get? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Of course, of course. Uh, Livingston <laughs> Dell was the name of the character, the hacker guy, uh, and the actor was Eddie Jemison. Oh, okay, and I would have not. So that's that. that is astonishing. So okay, well, uh, Karen has uh, run away with this one. Actually, yeah. it was it was it was close. It was close. I mean, Colin had 13. Karen uh, ended up getting 15 points. This is, this is like the class where the the final is 90 percent of the score right it's like well what did i bother doing <laughs> yeah, all that homework? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah the rest of it is points for this last question <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of points it was 11 points for last question possible so okay you know there's and there's no prize so congratulations all right good job chris thank you oh thanks for the loudest quiz are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. My turn for this last uh, segment. So... Working from home while raising children, uh, I realize <laughs> all those things kind of force you to uh, have a routine. Um, mm-hmm. So every weekday morning, my husband and I, you know, we're in like full go, go, go mode. Like since we wake <laughs> up, right? We're like, we wake up and it's, oh, okay, you get the baby ready. You did a potty train. You change the clothes. I'll prep the breakfast and get her like little school bag ready. And it's just like so hectic. And then after all this, we get in the car. I'm like, okay, we got to go drop her off at preschool. You know, after drop off, we have this like half hour to ourselves and before <laughs> our, our work day starts you know, back in the mm-hmm. home office. Th- this half hour is very precious to us. We, we were driving back home. We usually stop at Pete's to get coffee. And like the very normal people we are, <laughs> after we get our coffee, we tune in very seriously to a particular radio station with the pure intent of winning the call-in radio contest <laughs> that they hold every day in that time slot. I'm not going to tell people what it is because I don't want your competition. (laughs) Between me and my husband, we've won a lot. (laughs) They're not like big prizes or anything. They're like Lindsay Buckingham (laughs) tickets that we're going to give to Chris or a promo pack, but really it's just garbage from their office. And it's like a PBS DVD or something, you know, like it's not, it's not very high stakes, (laughs) but let me tell you, there are a few moments in my life where I can distinctively like remember feeling the high and the rush of winning. I think one of them was like five million years ago when we won the NorCal champion trivia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like easily one of the highlights of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like I remember that so clearly these radio calling contests, it like I can live off the high for a week. I'm just right. Like it just makes me feel instantly so good. Um, quick disclaimer, we're, we're not like annoying and we call in every day. We'll tune in every day, but we won't call in every day because we don't want to yeah. be. You'll leave annoying. some prizes yeah. for the rest of the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How many times yeah. have you won so far? Oh, like throughout my lifetime, probably more than No, no, the, on times. this station. Oh, uh, five or six. Okay. Okay. I, um, I thought you were saying you won 20 times and then it's like, did they tell you you weren't annoying or did you decide you weren't annoying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll address that later, but uh, I'll, I'll, um, one of the things is for most states, you can't win within 30 days. Again. Oh, okay. So you're just, so after you win, you have to kind of wait for a, a cool period, down you know, period, but, but we'll get there in a bit. So some stations have really awesome kind of like morning call-in games. Usually I call in for trivia, um, but there was one station that used to have a, a game called The Two Spirits. <laughs> they play a sound of someone screaming and you have to identify it, if it's a sound you hear from like 
the spirit of the Halloween store, skeleton decor, and they make like a, a wailing noise. Yeah. Or if it's heard at a Spirit Airlines airplane gate. Oh my God. Is that funny? That's so good. And it's like, it's really hard. You really don't know. Is it a wailing skeleton or is it a person getting on Spirit drunk Airlines? Drunk on Spirit Airlines. <laughs> And the one I did that was really fun and challenging, they would play one second clip of a song, three songs in a row. I've heard these before. And you have to correctly identify. I've only done it once. Um, Because, you know, you have to solve it so quickly and you have to be the right caller, right, to get selected to be on air. So I've won that once. it's, It's hard. But it's not as hard as the contest I'm about to tell you in a story. So in 2020, lockdown year, Singapore's Gold 905, their radio station, Gold 905, held a call-in puzzle contest, very similar to the one I was describing. It's called the Celebrity Name Drop. And the big prize, 10000 uh, Singaporean dollars, which is like $7,000 mm-hmm. US dollars. So it's huge. So mm. the puzzle was the uh, Gold 905. They pieced together 14 celebrity sound bites. One word each spoken by 14 <laughs> different celebrities. So when you piece it together, it like reads out like a ransom note of an audio promo <laughs> message. You know, it, it okay. says like, okay, gold 905, the station that sounds good and makes you <laughs> right, feel right. good. You know, it, it's, right, right. yeah, yeah, that's really hard. 14, that, yeah, yeah that one you, word, that, one yeah, word. that is, yeah, you, you had to call in and you had to get selected to be the caller on the air and then give your answer. And so this took weeks. People were, were piecing info together after like from like failed attempts because people were getting it wrong. So like, Mm. it's almost like everybody's kind of trying to get all this information. Crowdsource it a little word oldish. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Then comes Muhammad Shalahan, a railway worker for the Singaporean railway, father of three and quite the quiz enthusiast. He had successfully called in, but he did not have the 14 celebrity solution completely right. So him and his wife have been like pouring over the voices, you know, figuring it out. And finally, he felt confident that he had the full set. So on April 21st, Mohammed uh, called in, very confident with the solution, got through, got selected. And then the DJ asked him for his solution. And the solution he gave was Tony Hadley, Madonna, Maggie Wheeler, Ellen DeGeneres, Jim Carrey, George Clooney, David Bowie, Belinda Carlisle, Julie Andrews, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Meryl Streep, Michael Buble, Rebecca Lim. That's Mm. a lot of voices. And he's pretty confident this is his right set. And the DJ said, no, you only have 13 correct names. Keep on, keep working at it. Uh Uh-huh. So, okay, well, he's like, man, I'm real close, real close. Which one is wrong? Which one is wrong? Then two weeks later, listener Jerome Tan called in, gave his answer. Jerome was declared the winner because he got all 14 right. He also gave the same exact set of answers as Mohammed did two weeks ago. What? listeners on social media on facebook were like wait a minute this guy gave yeah. the, said the same answer as 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 the same answer set that mohammed gave what is the deal with that mohammed contacted the radio station and get this this was their response we have reviewed the relevant audio clip of your call and our decision remains final the name tony hadley had been mispronounced by you They said that he mispronounced the name Tony Hadley, and therefore he only technically got 13 out of 14 right. So, who is Tony Hadley? Do you know? Does anybody know? Tony did not ring a bell. Did not ring a bell. Most famous for being the lead singer of the quintessential 80s British band Spando Ballet. Uh Singer of True. People online, radio fans, people were furious. They're like, this is not fair. It was the same answer. Media Corp is the name of the big media conglomerate parent company of Gold 905 radio station. And they would not budge. And I heard the clip. 
Okay, I'm 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 so curious. Yeah, let me tell you, it's like my cousins. They grew up in New Jersey and still live in New Jersey, and they pronounce like my name with a New Jersey accent. They say Mm. Karen Karen. instead of Karen. Karen, Karen. Anyways, uh, I'm gonna play the clip. It's gonna play three times. And to comparison, it's comparison. Mm. The first voice, the first voice is Muhammad reading Tony Hadley, and then the second is Jerome reading the winning answer, Tony Hadley. So it's going to play okay. three times. Okay. Tony Hadley. Tony Hadley. Tony Hadley. Tony Hadley. Tony Hadley. Tony Hadley. Also, I want to point out, um, this is Singapore. The, you yeah. Know, there, there are four yeah, official languages in Singapore. Yeah, it's one of them, One of them is English. You know, I, I want to make it clear... Singaporean English is their English. It is not yeah. someone who spoke a different language and now they're speaking English. Like the, the the way Singapore English sounds, a lot of us have seen Crazy Rich Asians. That is the Singapore English is their that's standard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pronunciation so important because there's no other famous Tony Headley. You know, exactly. it's like exactly yeah. that's right. true. I'm not mistaking someone else for yeah. it. I, I find it to be close. I find it like my cousin saying Karen instead of Karen, you know, Super Mario, Super Mario. Yeah, right, right. As a bit of a long shot, Mohammed's wife very, very smartly suggested that he should go straight to the source. Yeah. Tony Hadley yeah. himself. So Mohammed emailed Tony Hadley, he's manager or managing <laughs> team. And guess what? Tony Hadley emailed back. Not only did he write back, he recorded a video of himself. Mm. Remember, this is pandemic, so everybody's like at home, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing to do. Everyone's um, reachable. Yeah. Yes, 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 because <laughs> yeah. they're at home. Yeah. So he made a video of himself, and and this is, uh, I edited the clip, but this is kind of the gist, um, and I will play it for you. Hi, Mohammed. Mohammed Shelahan. This is Tony Hadley here from the UK. As far as I'm concerned, you pronounce my name absolutely correctly. Tony Hadley. You might have said Hadley. It's slight accent, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, you 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 said my name correctly. Listen, all the very best, and and see you hopefully when we we get to Singapore. All right. Take care, Mohammed. Bye bye. Yeah. Hey. I mean, yeah. if the guy says it, yeah. What a nice guy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, honestly, it's, it sounds like Headley a little bit when he says it with his accent. Yeah, 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 right, right. So obviously this video was released into the wild. MediaCore, again, a large parent media company. After this video, after people <laughs> flooding their social media, yeah. after multiple news, newspapers and sites picking up, you know, the story and the drama... Right. They were still doubling down on their They stand. issued a statement. We refuse to be shamed. <laughs> yeah. And and make wow. a, again very clear, this is not our fault. This oh is his fault for his his pronunciation. Um but then they kind of added very publicly that even though that they think even though Muhammad was wrong, they're going to throw him a bone and give Muhammad a smaller prize as a quote token of appreciation for his exceptional commitment to the contest and loyal support i hate how patronizing that is like oh you're so loyal to our contest it's like no i'm angry at your money yeah yeah people were not having it it made it worse they're like oh my god this is so insulting yeah how much like is seven like how much bad publicity is seven thousand dollars worth to them you know This all happened actually pretty quickly over over two months. Probably MediaCorp tired of all of this. They finally publicly apologized to Muhammad, decided to reward him the full amount um, Uh as he so deserved. Anyway, so that's a a great story. And to wrap this up, I just want to share some of my general tips and best practices (laughs) to uh, winning your local (laughs) radio contest call in as a disclaimer. People will always find a way to exploit or to cheat the system one way or another. We are not about that life. Right. So, so I'm not going to tell you to set up bots and get burner <laughs> phones. You know, mm. these are 
These are good faith efforts. Yeah, these yeah. are Rod Stewart tickets. You know, they're not they're not like really high stakes prizes. The they're PB, just kind of PBS DVDs that were in the office. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> they they literally just probably like, what do we have lying around the office that we can send to these people? Number one, know what time certain contests are. For us, it's at exactly this time every day. They usually do a contest. It's probably not the same contest or the same giveaway. Mm. Have the call-in number saved, you know, <laughs> saved to a contact. In your contacts. The biggest mistake that people do is they call in too early. Because you hear the DJ saying like, hey, give me a call now and play trivia, blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. You hear like, oh, okay, I got to call in now. No, you have to wait until they're done reading the sentence. Because chances mm. are, it, it's the DJ who's doing this. So so if they're reading out a thing, they're not also multitasking, trying to open up the phone lines and pressing a mm. button. You just kind of wait until they're done saying their sentence. I don't know. My husband swears he can hear when when they we put down the, the headphone. <laughs> you keep calling until you're sure that you lost. Like sometimes you get a busy signal. Sometimes it cuts out. Just keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. And if you win, you probably can't win another prize uh, in most states for another thirty days. So, so obviously, do you, they all... Karen? Do you do you put in your calendar when you win, so you know when your thirty days is up and you can call again? No, but I kind of know it in my head because it made your day really good, and you said you were thinking about yeah. it for the rest hey, of the week. So yeah, you're, you're like, it's yeah, not yeah. every day that you win Lindsay Buckingham tickets. I mean, that's going to stand out. Yeah, <laughs> that you can give to Chris. Which again, I, I do we'll happily take yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my husband who won. Oh, okay. Because I just recently won. So I'm like, okay, now you have to call in. At the end, he's like, wow, I won. And we hung up the phone and we're driving. And he turns to me, he goes, who's Lindsay Buckingham? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about uh, Krakatoa, about Eleven, about Tony Hadley. Tony Hadley. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all podcast apps and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. Um, also, we have a very active Facebook fan group of listeners like you. Um, uh, lots of fun. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like The Sit Down, a mafia history podcast, Food with Mark Bittman, and The Explorers Podcast. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.